Uh, hello and welcome everyone to the Break Time Podcast, where we just kind of chill and talk about whatever interests us. We'll start somewhere and see where it takes us. I'm Eric, and as always, I'm joined by my two good friend friends, Ryan and Jake. We are the same person now, actually. Yeah, I'm two good friends. Yeah, we're uh, singular. Uh, I think we're Rake now. Yeah, Rake. Yeah. I thought that was our child in the fan fiction. No, I don't think I want to explore that. No, we're just one person now. We were like a fusion, but we still have like separate minds is what's happening right now. Interesting. Is Are we just like connected the table? Uh, I think so. I think we just have, there's just like two heads appearing out of like a slightly whiter than normal body. Wacky. <laughs> this, this is not the direction I thought this opening would go. I well, just, I just forgot an S. <laughs> Too bad. Yeah, I just but... make one word plural. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta improvise. You gotta play to what happens, regardless of whatever it is. If it's a mistake, it becomes a part of it. That's how. That's how the best improv goes. Oh, good. Anyway, how's it going? It's been four weeks since we. It's talked. been a long time. Yeah, it's been a very long time. I was uh, sick and I was unable to speak for like a couple weeks, so that's why we put it off. <laughs> so I too yeah. could not. I too could not talk very well for a week, but for different reasons. Uh, I was not sick. Something else happened. <laughs> I was just alone at the table every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jake's been here for this four is just weeks where waiting I drink for us my to coffee. return. Yeah. My process of elimination. Now the three of us, Jake is clearly the most healthy. Based. What? Oh yeah. Well, well, no. Well, maybe one of us as. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into it, but I feel like. One of us, Eric, or this half of Rake, me, this uh, this side, uh, the the left side. Am I? Lo- I have Rake. to be the left side. I guess I'm the left side because my my name does appear on the left side of the name. So yes, I'm the left side of Rake. And um, I don't know. There's some things feeling weird about the right side of Rake that is uh kind of not not feeling it. So I feel like I'm currently healthier. I was I was possibly not as healthy before, but I feel like I'm probably on the up and up now. Oh yeah, I mean, my leg's been kind of fucked for like a month, but oh. we're working through it. We all got problems, see? <laughs> Alright, hopefully you'll get through it, Rake. Anyway. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I do I mean, have I... a topic for today. That right. I have been saving. I've been keeping it a secret for four whole weeks. Oh my god. What could it be? The topic of today is about emotion. Because I've been playing Amori recently, and my emotions have been going haywire. And I, I wish see. to talk about them, or about what your emotions are. Uh, well, for, yeah. like, for like context, because... Well, Amori is a very emotional-based game. The entire game is based around feelings, or the whole battle system has, like, either your characters can be happy, sad, neutral, or angry, and there's, like, a whole emotion triangle on which emotion beats what. <laughs> nice. Really? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic, and it plays into the game's story very well, and the game makes you... Is very good at making you feel a certain way. The nice. emotions you feel is it's very good. Very good. I highly yeah. recommend it. It's been on my uh, to play list for quite some time. I think I also have it on my wish list as well. So yeah. it's like the uh, much better developed version of like Super Princess Peach. 
<laughs> the Mario oh spin-off game what are you talking about? Oh that game God, was such a that game was such an accurate and good representation <laughs> of emotion. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it, it, everyone knows you're just like have an emotion meter. <laughs> yeah, there's an emotion meter. And Peach goes through the most drastic of mood swings. <laughs> it's just like real life people. <laughs> I don't know. It's amazing. The best part and of Super Princess Peach is Torpedo Ted, isn't it? I thought the best part of Princess Peach is that the end game item that uh, Peach is looking for is called the Vibe Scepter. That's also that, excellent. <laughs> that fixes everything. It Vibes. Really is. Yeah. I don't think it's that. I think when they say Vibe Scepter, they mean, you know. The other, not not vibes, but a vibe. <laughs> They're vibes. You, the kind, yeah, the, if the, you, the kind of vibes you're feeling, I guess. N- no, uh, I mean, I, t- I guess you do feel it. Peach does feel it, but it's not vibes as in feelings or a thing. It's a, it's a, an instrument that that vibes. <laughs> That's the vibe scepter. They even say at the end that ooh, maybe. Maybe your mom has a vibe scepter somewhere. Mm. I think is an Wait, actual they- <laughs> line said in the game. Yes, I'm pretty I, sure that is said at some point in the game. I think I was too young when I played this game. I didn't understand it. Well, yeah, that's the All point. Right. They don't expect adults to be playing this game. <laughs> and so that's why it works. <laughs> I need to replay it to Super Princess Peach. I guess so I gotta I- add that to my, my DS uh, agenda now. <laughs> I could resist it. I don't need to play that game again. I, I, I traded know. it for uh, Mario and Luigi Partners in Time, and I don't regret it. A. Probably not a bad idea. Anyway, emotions? <laughs> yeah, emotions. I went through a couple recently. One of them is shit and emotion. I felt pretty shitty one day. <laughs> I mean, so, feel. I don't think shit itself is an emotion, but feeling <laughs> shitty. That's Feeling shitty? Yeah. It's... It's related to why I also wasn't feeling it that one week, mm-hmm. right, where I couldn't talk. So this is kind of also an update to one of our previous episodes we did. I think I also hosted it. What was it? I think it was Eric's Bizarre Adventure Great episode, by the way. Go check it out. But it was about <laughs> where I was... It's about the, bur- the burping issue. Uh-huh. Big burp moment? Yeah, yeah, big, huge burp moments throughout the entire... How long has it been? Since December? It's been a long time since I had yeah, this yeah. burping issue where I just burp excessively. So, I to to recall, I believe I had said I wanted to get a second opinion from another doctor on why this burping is happening because I've tried a bunch of different solutions to that didn't work, like trying some antibiotics, doing some tests, all came back negative. And the antibiotics gave me some pretty nasty reactions. So I got a second opinion. He thought that there was something wrong with my esophagus instead. Like how, you know, when you when you eat or swallow something, uh, your body needs a way to tell whether it's air or if it's something solid like food or liquid like yeah. water. Like so, so like the liquids and solids don't go into your lungs, which would be bad. That would be mm-hmm. very bad. And that's, that's a whole other... Yeah, I forget what the... It's called the epiglottis. Yeah, the epiglottis. That's the name. Yeah. Like, if your epiglottis is, like, broken or something, that's pretty bad. But if mine was broken, I would have far worse symptoms than what I'm having now. Mm -hmm. So he just thinks I have, like, a weak esophagus or something, or a weak epiglottis, where maybe just too much air is coming out of my stomach, Uh. something like that. 
So he recommended me to do another test, another procedure to see uh, how my esophagus is doing. And this specific test is called esophageal manometry. So, wow, what a name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fancy name, fancy name. So what they do, when I went to, when I went to go take this operation, like they, I went to see the, the nurse who did it. He said he's done it for like thousands of times and I should be fine. But then he like leans forward and tells me about all the risks that involve this procedure. Terror. That I have to know. Yeah, all the terror that goes through it. But he said it's never happened to him before when he's like done it on all the other thousands of people before. It was kind of scary. Like, uh, the, the procedure itself is they get this long copper wire and they stick it in your nose, down your throat, into your esophagus. And while this wire is inside of you, you have to keep, he gives you like some, a, a cup of salt water and you have to keep drinking the salt water and trying to swallow with this wire down your throat. It feels very bad. And that's what, so what the freaking wi- weird. Yeah, yeah. So what the wire does, the copper wire, since it's made out of copper, it can tell, it could track on a graph where the salt is, uh, the, where the salt is in your esophagus and how it travels down your, how it travels down when you swallow. So the the resulting graphs he showed me were really cool, but the but the procedure itself, absolutely terrifying. So what happens first is. He has to lube up the wire and also try to make the inside of your nose numb using a kind of gel called um, lidocaine, which is like a numbing numbing agent. So the first part was a little easy. It was kind of like a COVID test if you've ever taken one. You just get like mm. a cotton swab and he, like sticks it up your nose. He did that a few times um, with the lidocaine on it just to get like the inside of my nose less sensitive and numb. Because at the very back of your nose, there's like a very sensitive nerve. Like when he touches it, you like like you just go like ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes. Like it doesn't feel mm. it doesn't feel good when it, when it gets touched. So he really wants to get that numbed up. And once, like once we let the gel settle in and let my nose get a little numb, he starts to put the wire in. Like he goes slowly. He like maybe sticks a little bit up my nose. Then the next step, he sticks it back towards the sensitive part. And then this is the very scary part. And this was one of the risks he was talking about. How it's never, he said it's never happened to him before. But if the wire ends up going down the wrong tube, the tube going, the tube that goes through the throat, my body can have a bad reaction to it. And the muscles can kind of like squeeze together. I think this is like a reaction to prevent it from going further down the throat. Mm-hmm. But if that happens, it can like get caught on the wire. The wire can get stuck in there or something. And I can't breathe. I won't be able to breathe during that. So he said it's very scary, but it's never happened before. And he knows how to solve it if it does happen. That's still scary. I'm not yes. comfortable with The goal is to not have that happen, sounds like. <laughs> yeah, we don't want that to happen. That would be bad. So to make sure the wire goes down the correct tube, down toward my esophagus, is I have to drink, sip and drink a lot of water as he is pushing the rest of the wire <laughs> down my throat. 
It's mm. terrible. I can't reiterate how bad it feels to have a wire that's like just sitting near the sensitive part of your nose. It's still numb, but you can still feel it, right? Yeah. Like it feels so bad. It is the worst procedure I have ever done. So we're at the point where I have to drink the he he gives me like a he gives me a cup with a straw so I can like sip it comfortably. So as soon as he tells me to start sipping and swallowing, I do that. And he just shoves the entire rest of the wire down my esophagus <laughs> yeah, he wants as I'm trying to swallow, s- I guess. Yeah, I mean it's I mean if you get it over with, it's done, right? Once it's in, it's in. Mm. As I'm, yeah, I'm swallowing. He's just pushing like, <laughs> it's like a, what do you call it? I'm imagining like, you know how you're trying to hoist the rope up with both arms, like pulling one arm forward and back and the other arm forward. Yeah, he's yeah, kind of it's like that, thing, going he's in. Put, yeah, he's going in. <laughs> he's yeah, like, I, he's um, like, I think I've had something that was almost that before. I've gotten like the food tube that goes up your nose. I don't know how deep that goes though. It was a good way. But I'm I had, like, a food sure. tube that was in my nose that needed to go up my nose, and there was a similar, like, lubing and push it down the nose thing that was awful. Yeah, did it... A food tube? I'd imagine that can... Yeah, I mean, I had it in me for, like, over a week, so it was just every time I swallowed, I felt the tube. Oh. Oh, I get... I can imagine... I think your tube is, pro- tube is probably thinner than mine. Mine was kind of a little fat. That they had to shove down my throat. Yeah, no, you sounds worse. And, and, like, I was, like, hospitalized and out of it. Like, I was conscious, <laughs> but I was just, like, uh, dying. Oh, basically. yeah, I was conscious. <laughs> I, I cannot be unconscious for this, because he needs me to, like, swallow stuff yeah. to look at all the data. Yeah, that sounds right, awful. So once, yeah, once the tube is in, I end up throwing up the re- all the water I just drank. He said it's normal, but that also doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah, you drank a fuck ton of water. So. Yeah, because I just drank a ton of water. Ton and of like, salt Once something water. is down, da- yeah. No, this one, this one wasn't salt water yet. But like, once something's down, it's gonna cause a bad reaction. You're gonna just gag up what you just drank. Yeah. This is why I also couldn't eat or drink anything before for like eight hours because he doesn't want me throwing up. It, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's good to be on an empty stomach for this. But, so then he lets me sell there for a bit just to get used to the tube. It, it's not good. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> not used um, to it. Not used to it. I'm never going to get used to it. I never want to do that again. But then it's the point where, alright, the tube is in. It's time to start recording some data. And how they record the data, I told you already. Um, you get some salt water. I take some sips and, and swallow the whole the thing. Yeah, I swallow the whole thing all at once, and he watches how the salt travels down my throat, down the esophagus, and where it, and how it goes. Um, we had to do this like 20 times. It was a lot. It took like 30 minutes to get through the whole procedure. And there was also one point where he wanted to do like five quick swallows in succession. I'm not sure why they do this. It was like he gave, he just, he just poured salt water in my mouth <laughs> this is right the worst after another. Drinking and I just had to keep swallowing it as fast as I could. It was so bad. After It was at that point where the tube actually kind of started to hurt a little bit. He mm. said one the another risk was that the copper wire could also cause some scraping inside my yeah. esophagus. But it's, it's not like you can tell. Maybe you can tell. Maybe the, the wire can... Sense blood. I'm not sure. I don't think it happened because I feel okay afterwards. But 
a little scary. The tube starts hurting a lot, maybe because I was swallowing, so trying to swallow so fast. But anyway, once we finish through the whole thing, I'm like, I'm like dead at the end. I feel so bad having this thing stuck in my nose, down my throat, yeah. and having to drink a bunch of salty water. <laughs> it's not, it's not good. So it's, it reaches a time where he needs to pull it out. He just, he just yanks the thing out. Oh, it's <laughs> so I'm just sitting, yeah, I'm just sitting up. He just pulls the entire thing out in the one go. Not like slowly or anything, but just, <laughs> he just yanks it out. It oh. felt good afterwards where it was outside, but yeah, while yeah. he was pulling it. Oh. But in the, during, it was awful. Yeah, Maybe with the, like... like, with the food tube, I was told by one of my, uh, nurses like okay we're done with the food tube you could take it out and i was like 10 or something and i just interpreted you could take it out as take it out so i just yanked it out of my own nose because i really didn't want it there and boy it was <laughs> awful technically i did it right but they're like we were really supposed to have done that <laughs> yeah, well I'm, I'm i'm kind of likening that to it's probably better than pulling it out slowly in the same way that, you know, ripping off a bandage is usually how... I don't actually know where that saying comes from or why that's a thing. But, like, ripping a bandage off is supposed to be, you know, just do it all at once because it'll feel better if you do yeah. it this way instead of, like, slowly taking it out or slowly pulling off a bandage. So maybe it's probably the, for the best that you just yank it out all at once. Yeah, I guess. I can see that. The long, The faster the tube is out of me, the better. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, my tube was awful and your tube sounds worse. Then afterwards it's just pure relief. Oh dude, my 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 throat was sore for like the rest of the week and my nose was like it stuck in my right nose. My nose was like gaping the rest of the day. I like couldn't use the right of my nose <clears> for the whole day. It was bad. That's awful. It felt it was it felt so bad after Yeah, that's how I felt. I felt pretty shitty for that whole week because of the uh. procedure. And this is why you wanted to talk about emotions. Yes, also, also because of Mori. I still haven't gotten my test results back. It's been like two I weeks. See. I don't know what's taking so long. Holy it takes God. a while. I don't know. What did I? Gotta, what did I numbers. suffer for? <laughs> for some reason. So I don't know. <laughs> science. Yeah. I don't understand. Science for science. Yeah, this is actually <laughs> that procedure. Actually, didn't have anything to do with your condition at all. It was like, oh, you've been randomly selected <laughs> as a test subject. Awful. I don't think that's legal or ethical, no. but they did it anyway. <laughs> I had to sign something before the procedure. I forget what it was. I didn't read it. You just said sign. He was like, oh okay, no! Cool. What if you did take yeah, an experimental no. procedure? <laughs> <laughs> Blink twice now. You're in a sci-fi thriller. Oh no. Uh. But yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure uh, what you wanted. What you want to talk about in, in the on the topic of feelings and emotions and such, mm, though. Like anything you've maybe recently felt very strongly about, or mm. something that made you feel a certain way. Anything well, you can think of. I recently have been playing a game that I could recommend to uh, no one because it's I don't think it's a very good game, but it's just one of those really weird, really interesting games. It's called uh, Pathologic. There's a Pathologic 1, the HD remake of Pathologic 1 and Pathologic 2, and I'm playing the HD remake of 
pathologic one. And basically, you're, uh, this is kind of topical because of COVID, but, uh, basically you're in a small village that is very, very weird and has some dark fantasy elements, but, like, not in a normal Western fantasy kind of way. Um, and you are tasked with making sure this awful, awful plague called the Sand Plague doesn't, uh, kill everyone. And there's three characters you can play from, and uh, they all kind of go about it in different ways. One of them is actually a doctor. Um, I've been playing as the doctor character. It's really weird. You, like, walk around this town and make sure you don't die from, like, starvation or thirst or exhaustion or, like, the plague yourself, while also trying to, like, convince very, very strange locals and, like, try to understand this very, very strange town while also making sure the plague doesn't just, like, destroy everything. Mm. It, it, and, like, all the characters that are plot-related can, like, go in different directions and, like, die or do better depending on how well you do. It's just weird, man. I mean, so far, for what it sounds like, the game doesn't sound that bad. It, it sounds see, actually kind of interesting. It, it's it. I feel like it's gotta be a more interesting game to talk about than play. It's so weird and it's unforgiving. It's like it, it. It's it's just so intriguing, you know. It it's really. I haven't played any game ever even remotely like it. I guess it's like a atmospheric survival game. And the dialogue and writing, I think. I think the best parts of the game is the atmosphere is excellent. The music is very good. And, like, the dialogue is, like, intriguing. Because, like, the zany locals and stuff, like, have their own customs and they talk different ways. And, like, a lot of the characters lie to you. And you, like, learn varying amounts of the truth. I'm only on the first of three characters, so it's kind of interesting. Wondering, like, are they treating me differently because the Doctor character is the only one who's actually an outsider to the town. So are they, like, treating me differently because I'm not one of them? I'm looking up screenshots of the game. At first I thought when, when you were describing that it was maybe, like, one big fever dream kind of game. I uh, how everything's kind of weird. Things seem unnatural. Mm-hmm. Looking at the screenshots now, I can see what you mean by how it looks kind of more atmospheric. Kind of looks a little, like, horror-esque a little bit. The it's, it's kind are... of a horror game. There have been no jump scares. And I don't think there are going to be. It's like... I don't know, man. It's just so fucking weird. I feel like I could recommend watching it more than I could recommend playing it, because, like, playing it is just, like background stressful and mildly frustrating because it's like hard to do quests the characters all lie to you you don't know where you're going and like walking is <laughs> you know and you're like basically just starving to death you know it's like you work really hard to get one loaf of bread which will satiate you for a half of a day and then you're told oh but you didn't do the main quest well enough because you spent your time trying to get that half loaf of bread and also a dude with a knife shanked you so uh fuck you know oh, unfortunate i hate it when that happens yeah no it's really it really it, it's like the game technically came out in 2005 but it feels older than a 2005 game 
Hmm. And this is the HD remake. This is like the newer version of it. It's it's like one of those. You ever play any of those games or watch any of those shows that it feels like the dialogue, while like kind of interesting, is like intentionally super esoteric. It's like there'll be an event that happens, and then one of the characters will be like. The wheels of time move forward. You are but an outsider trying to figure out the ways of our people. Keep your eyes open. Do you really know what you know? Where they, like, say interesting things that are, like, effectively saying nothing, you know? It's like, it's like that's most of the words in the game. Huh. So, a few things, and only two things come to mind when I think of, like, some, like, an esoteric atmosphere. The first is a game. It's called Super Ben... <laughs> uh, Super Benvoke... <laughs> Super Benvoke Quest Turbo Deluxe Edition. Super Benvoke Quest? <laughs> yeah, yeah Super Benvoke Quest. How do you Super spell? Benvoke Quest. Yeah. <laughs> v- type of Super... B E N B O. It's not Super. on Steam anymore? Did they remove it? Aw. Oh. Super <laughs> Benbo Quest. What the heck is Super Benbo Quest? Yeah, I see it a appears picture they... and wow, it exists. Yeah, Super it appears Benbo it has been Quest. removed from Steam, but I still have the game, but you can search up images of it. It is one big fever dream where everything ex- explodes with <laughs> the, the default JPEG explosion. And half the time, you don't even know what's happening in the game. I, I did. It. I think it fits like the weird atmosphere. There's like some weird mm-hmm. super boss man, scold, evil bad guy you have to beat. Something like that. It's been a while since I played it. I don't even uh-huh. remember why I played it or what happened during it. But I think this could also be an interesting watch. Mm-hmm. I, I I recommend watching instead <laughs> yeah, of like playing. Yeah, like one of those it. games that's like so interesting to think about and talk about, but like while you're playing it, you're like, eh, am I really doing this? <laughs> like, why am I here? <laughs> I was like, I bought it because I thought it was funny, but I actually playing. I was like, what is going on? My brain can't process it. And uh. The, I, oh, I just thought of another example. The other one would be... Is it Super Pony Island? Oh, I've played that, yeah. Super Pony Island. Oh, that's on my to-play list as well. Yeah. I forget if Super is in the name. It might just it be is Pony called Super Island. Po- oh, it might just be called Pony Island, actually. Yeah. I oh, have it, is it called- in my library, right? Or is it called yeah, Super it, Pony Island? It is just Pony Island. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about this game since Jake hasn't played it. I think it is something you experience... For yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. That's that's all I will say. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it's quite a trip. It's I also is... made by the same guy who made Inscription. So nice. Yeah, I've somehow been not spoiled on it, even though it's been in my Steam library for like five years. Yeah, it is. It is a journey, and it's only five bucks. It is. I recommend it very mm-hmm. highly. But the the last of the examples I thought of were like something that just feels weird to read, mm-hmm. or read, watch, listen to, whatever, um, would be Chainsaw Man. 
Chainsaw Man on, was a yeah. pleasure to read. I enjoyed it. That is on the brain uh, of most people. I think some trailers for the anime series have been yeah, dropping. Yeah, the recently. anime is coming out in fall season, October. I'm super excited for it. But if you see the style of how the author of the uh, Chainsaw Man series writes and draws, yeah, what's what's their name? Uh, I think it's Tatsuki Fujimoto. It is like a very unique, almost kind of charming, but also grotesque art style, where you can really see like the emotions behind people's faces when they talk, but the dialogue is also <laughs> very weird at some yeah, point. It's like, <laughs> I guess without spoiling anything of the plot, is it feels like it's written... It's like, first off, the art style and the general, like, choreography, I guess, the greater orientation of the art. It's like somewhere between, like, shonen anime and, like, skateboard shop, you know? <laughs> like, think of the giant yes. mouth that's, like, going black, you know, or whatever. Or, like, the Rolling skull stones. that's on fire, or whatever. Logo. Rolling stones, you know? Yeah. It's like skateboard shop art, but, like, also shonen battle anime stuff. And then the yeah, plot yeah, is think... just, like, written by someone who just, like, actually doesn't care about plot. It's like, it's like they came up with a very, very, very unique, weird world idea. And then is like, okay, this thing happened in this world. And then they just kind of followed what they decided would happen. And, like, that's what it is. It, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like a plot. So just, like, that combined weirdness, I think, is a lot of the shock factor of it. I think it's it's a very unique art. No, no, I'll just go. And that's it's part of what makes it interesting to read, too. I always, I'm always excited for when the ch new chapter Chainsaw Man releases. It, it has, it's recently started releasing on Shonen Jump again. They're on... I guess you call it. Oh, they're making the next more arc. chapters. Yeah, they're they're on the manga. They just started the next arc for Chainsaw. Honestly, I'm kind they're... of upset. I had hoped it was just over. I thought it just kind of ended, and I was happy. Aha, uh -huh, you'd think, but uh -huh, that's not pranked. how. <laughs> that's not how manga and anime work. Yeah, once you have a, bummer. What once you have a worthwhile, once you have a popular series, you can't stop releasing stuff, even <laughs> if it's at the detriment of the series. Yeah, itself. they got me. It's like it. Sometimes they turn out good. Like it got me the same way with Megalobox. I I remember saying and thinking, I hope they never make Megalobox too. And then they made they Megalobox that. 2, and it's just in a radically different direction. It is. Like, I it's, guess it's okay. It's different. He's like a... I mean, it's called Nomad, so yeah. He's just kind of wandering around. It's very much like a, a Yojimbo kind of thing. I don't know if you guys know the, the Kurosawa film Yojimbo. Yeah. Or Yojimbo, but... The guy wanders around and kind of just fixes problems that are <laughs> along the way. He helps people out. That's kind of like part of what... Megalobox Nomad is is just him running around and he's all like, ah, the Mexican population of Japan, question mark, are being oppressed and so let me help these guys out a little bit and and things, <laughs> yeah. and things like that. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. It's like, it's the official sequel, right? But it, it kind of feels like just a really well-written like fan story with just like a character with, like, a couple characters from Megalobox in it. 
It's like it's good, but it's like really, really, really not Megalobox. Yeah, I mean, I would have been totally fine if Megalobox just stopped where it was yeah. because it ended in a pretty good place. It did oh, not it need great. to be. It did not need to be. Oh yeah, that storm destroyed the gym, and now everyone hates Joe, and and now he's helping the Mexican population of Japan. Yeah, I didn't mark. didn't didn't see that one coming, Chief. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, yeah, once something gets popular, people want to milk it. Mm. Um, I think probably the worst, one of the worst, uh, actually two of the worst examples would be Boruto and Seven Deadly Sins. I would argue, I, like, okay, actually, Boruto, Boruto is actually bad. Naruto ended. They should have just let yeah, Naruto they should, end. Yeah, they should have let Naruto They should end. not have done this weird thing where everyone had kids in the same year and they're all classmates. Because that's really weird. And also, <laughs> the, you know, it takes away a lot of the stuff with, you know, these characters are essentially just as powerful. Like, they're, they're starting off at a more powerful point than their parents did. And it feels like, man, they're just not, they're not really earning this stuff, are they? Um, they're just kind of already this powerful, and that's kind of, that feels mm -hmm. like bullshit. That, Bodoto, I will argue, I will argue that the worst offender of this thing is actually the most popular anime series in the world, freaking Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball oh, should Dragon. have ended decades ago, I would argue. <laughs> You're right, I forgot when about When it was Dragon actually Isn't about martial arts? Yeah. But they Isn't decided. Still going. Um, there was a new movie that released recently. Oh my god! <laughs> it doesn't do any. It, okay, the, uh, that's the reason why I kind of was reminded of it because I I got into this conversation with Jake off 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 screen like weeks ago back when I was able to talk uh, and then you know I went through that period where I wasn't able to, where I was talking to him about why I have gripes with the new Dragon Ball movie. Um, there are some good things in the in the new Dragon Ball stuff, but mainly not having to do with narrative at all. It's kind of just like, oh man, this animation is really good. Why couldn't Super have looked like the Broly movie? Um, but then you get into the next movie, and I guess now, like, there's a couple things. The Dragon Ball Super manga is still ongoing, and Dragon Ball is still releasing animated movies and things like that. Um... And the thing is, is that people are like, oh man, finally, some other characters are getting some attention. And my argument for that is no, they're getting the same attention that they got back when they were relevant. The only difference is now is that it's a, it's, the form looks kind of different. That's kind of <laughs> the only thing that's happened. Like, Piccolo turning orange doesn't <laughs> add to his character, <laughs> even though it's technically a new form, and he's now orange Piccolo. <laughs> now he's Pepperow. <laughs> does not mean that he's that he's like oh man they're adding so much depth they're giving love to this character no they're doing the exact same thing they did like uh what is it gohan uh the new the new dragon ball movie was focused on gohan and i was gonna i was kind of excited because i'm a fan of gohan i am of that camp of people who thought after gohan defeated cell in the cell saga of Dra of dragon ball z or just dragon ball in general that Gohan should have been the main character, and the Buu arc was going to be him exploring it, and Goku should not have taken over. However, some gripes I have with the new Dragon Ball movie, and sorry, because the, uh, the dub for the Dragon Ball movie has for the new Dragon Ball movie, might I add the name of the movie is Dragon Ball Super Superhero? Oh my god. Because, <laughs> you know, Dragon Ball Super is Super, the name Super. of the series, and Superhero is the subtitle for the movie, right? 
So this movie is supposed to be focused on Gohan because because they're like, ah, Goku and Vegeta, they can take a backseat for a while, right? Uh, and so Gohan was supposed to be the focal point of the series. The problem is, and I hope you guys don't mind spoilers for this new movie. That's okay. I've Go decided I'm never going to watch <laughs> Dragon Ball Z or do any Dragon it Ball tur- He's n- The big bad of the superhero movie is not mentioned at all in any of the marketing. However, the big bad in Dragon Ball Super Superhero, the movie where Gohan is supposed to be the focal point again, is Cell. (laughs) So essentially, they're doing doing something similar where they did the Resurrection F movie in which Frieza is resurrected and then killed again in the same movie. And also there's a bunch of stuff there because like Super Saiyan Blue doesn't really make sense because it's not, it's the only thing it does is that it's a new form and it's there's no work, there's no impact behind it. It's just like, oh no, Goku and Vegeta look different now. Now their hair is blue when they turn Super Saiyan. <laughs> so you're telling me it's like uh, Marvel and DC. We have the greater Dragon Ball universe and they can revive and kill villains whenever they want. Yeah, and th- that's what that, and then that kind of shows you what Dragon Ball is currently doing. There are no new ideas happening in Dragon Ball, in the, at least in the animated and the animated motion picture side of Dragon Ball, is that they're retreading the same things and marketing it as if it's new content. A character gets a new form that establishes that the character is just better. Now. <laughs> Here, let me get out the paint tool. I need the a new problem form. with that is that back in the Cell Saga. It was supposed to be a big emotional swell, a big moment, when Gohan finally breaks, and he is the first character in the entire series to go Super Saiyan 2, the level beyond Super Saiyan, in order to defeat Cell, right? In this movie, I mean, there's like, I guess there's a little bit, because I think there's something about his daughter being endangered or something like that, but he goes, he gets some new form... I'm gonna call it Gohan Blanco because that's what the the South American and Mexican community was calling. Like, oh, there's gonna be a new form for Gohan, so they came up with Gohan Blanco because he does get white hair in this new form. He gets a new form against Cell, and this is supposed to be him reaching his full potential and finally breaking his limits for real this time, maybe. And so it's (laughs) essentially him. It's the movie, but again. It is. It's the Cell Saga, except it's different, and he's an adult now. That's the only thing that's different. And it doesn't matter that he has a new form, because it's the. it doesn't matter that he has a new form. It doesn't matter the character development that he goes through, because it's the exact same thing as the thing he went through when he was fighting Cell the first time. So literally no new ground has been treaded. It's literally the same exact thing. Damn. These Dragon Ball <laughs> movies are starting to feel like one of these... Uh open world rpgs where all the enemies scale around you and you're like ah i'm level 10 all the enemies i'm also level 10 i guess yeah but that's like that's it's nothing new is what it's that's the problem is that nothing new is being added to these characters you can add as many forms as you want it's gonna honestly once you add too many forms to a character now the character now the addition or the attaining of a form means less because they have <laughs> so many forms already and that's why I think, like, it doesn't matter. I mean, there were, uh, th- and that me- makes me think that the only thing that Dragon Ball is kind of good for now is just offering exorbitant amounts of fan service for people who have just liked <laughs> the just series like, hey, a lot. They're just like, hey, remember Dragon Ball? <laughs> yeah, and that's what they're doing. They're like, hey, remember when Gohan turned Super Saiyan 2 and he was the first Super Saiyan 2 and he beat Cell? Uh, what if he was to beat Cell, except now he's an adult and his hair is white and he's mm. even angrier and his hair is bigger than it was when he turned Super Saiyan 2. 
And you're like, what? What? Hold on. This is the exact same (laughs) thing that happened last time, Uh, except now he's older. uh, And he has a family. (laughs) In One Piece, uh, I think Luffy is on his fifth form. But they, they they told us this time for sure it's his last form. But yeah. I don't know if I the, trust him. I they they said the next arc for One Piece is gonna be its. It's last. gonna be the last one, but it's yeah, also gonna I, be the longest arc. And there's been an arc that's been over two years long, so I don't know. Yeah, the current arc has been going on for so long, but it was so good. The Wano, the Wano, Wano, yeah, Wano. I think it's Wano. Yeah, the Wano arc. There's been there's been so much buildup in this arc ever since the time skip. And seeing it to its completion, it's it is beautiful. I think this this is my favorite arc. I can probably tell this is probably Oda's favorite arc, the author as well, because Wano is Japanese theme, and it really shows off um, like the essence of samurai and their prince and who they serve and all that stuff and saving their country from an oppressive pirate. It was very beautiful. Amazingly drawn, the fights were magnificent, and they finally reached this conclusion this time, and they're going to be going to begin a new one soon, I assume. Yeah, it's so, excellent. I'm a... Yeah, even though One Piece is so long, it doesn't have the same problem with like Dragon Ball Z or One Piece has uh, different problems, but it's, it's I think it's, it's very a- good. It's ever expanding. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it feels like. The thing just... that I can truly commend about One Piece is um. It has felt like the entire time all of the characters are pursuing their goals and getting closer. Yeah, it is. Pretty consistently. I guarantee you guys, I guarantee you that once One Piece concludes, that One Piece will still have new stuff happening. Yeah, and I'm going to be upset when There's no way that Toei is going to let One Piece yeah, just I'm end. I'm going to be upset when that happens. My <laughs> my reconciliation is that they're going to do a HD remake of the entire rest that they haven't <laughs> made already. Because there's a huge gap. Because they basically remastered the first like 70-something episodes. My my reconciliation is they're going to reproduce all of those middle episodes before it got to modern standards. And then they're going to butcher it. Wasn't there something where they remade the old intro with the new designs or something like that? Yeah, they did. That was, that was like a fan service thing. I, I think that was the one that, an anniversary, I think. Yeah, that was an anniversary fan service thing. It was like the 25th anniversary or something, I forget. Yeah, this series has been going on since 1997, I think? That's one. a long time. <laughs> oh, 1999. Okay, it was the 20th anniversary, yeah. I believe. That was the, the special opening. But yeah. No, I love I think that show. It's, um, yeah. Actually, let me rephrase it. I don't love that show. I love that manga. I like that show. Yeah. One Piece is going strong. It's still going strong. There's parts of it that are bad, and there's parts of it that are very good. I think as a whole, I care the most out of its characters than pretty much any other piece of fiction. Uh, Yeah, yeah, because we've been with them the whole way, I guess. Oh yeah, I think it's Stockholm Syndrome, don't get me wrong, but um, it's still there, you know? 
Don't worry. Once Toei's like, hey, you still want to hang out with these characters? Remember these characters? <laughs> Weren't they so cool? They're going to do the exact same thing they did so that they pander to your nostalgia. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm going to be like pissed about it, anymore. and I'm probably still going to enjoy it. <laughs> You're going to be pissed but about it. But I'm going to be mad while enjoying it. it. That That's completely understandable. Yeah. Oh, man. They're going to have to remake One Piece every time for the new generation. Every so character's going to and then they're going to form a pirate crew identical to the last one. See, okay, that's, okay, you want to, then we can take this into the realm of games now. Because you know what kind, we know what series of games has not developed or incrementally improved all that much over the course of its long, what is it, 25 year history now? FIFA. <laughs> Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> Pokemon has been stagnant since the first two games. I would argue for since the first two games. And nothing and because like they operate under the idea that you just said where they need to remake X for the yeah, new generation. Yeah. And yeah. they go they really stand by that. They say like any Pokemon game could be someone's first Pokemon game. And so every single Pokemon game, especially recently, just baby the crap out of the player. And yeah. so it, it's kind of like that same operating principle of like this, you know, remake this for the new generation so they can experience it. And, you know, oh, you know, as a kid, remember, you played Pokemon Red or Blue and now your kid gets to experience the exact same thing with the new Pokemon Scarlet or Violet. It's literally <laughs> probably the exact same game. Nothing has <laughs> yeah, changed yeah. all that much. I don't know. It's like I can critique them all I want, but Pokemon's still selling great. A kid playing any Pokemon game often, often still loves that Pokemon game, so it's like, I don't know, I've kind of accepted that whether they're telling us this or they're denying it, that I am no longer their target audience. Yeah, And I'm okay it. with that. Yeah. My favorite Pokemon games have always just been the five that came out on the Game Boy Advance. It was my favorite because those were the ones I mostly played as a kid, and every one I played after that, I liked less. And I'm okay with that. That yeah. does make sense. I do like those Game Boy Advance games as well. The Generation 3 games. Those, yeah. those, that was my first, and that's the one I played. And then I just kind of realized, wait, I don't like these games as much as I continued to play them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the same thing. This with different characters. Yeah, I... Uh, Pokemon. I watched Pokemon on TV. I thought, that's pretty cool. And then I forgot about it, and I didn't even remember it was Pokemon. Then unrelated, about a year ago, year later, I was at GameStop, and I had my red Game Boy Advance, and so I picked up Pokemon Fire Red because it was the same color as my Game Boy Advance, not even <laughs> reading what game it was. I just wanted the one that matched. And it was pretty fun. Lethal Jig. Cute. Lethal Jig just wants to match game. his Game Lethal Boy. Ga Lethal Jig just wants the red game. Yes, I literally, that's literally what I told the person. I want the red game. Which, honestly, since red is in the name of the game, that probably sounded like a more reasonable <laughs> Yeah. It's like, I want the red game. Oh, you mean the red version? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. I meant. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> it's probably what I said. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the, like, weird uh, jewelry case where the used Game Boy Advance yeah. games were... I think it was, what, $10 when I got it? Because it was used. It was used and didn't have a box. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, games back then were so much cheaper. They like twenty bucks, high end thirty. I'm pretty sure a Game Boy game was like thirty dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think game. Yeah, I think they were thirty like 20, new, 30. and then used they got cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. But now we just jumped up to sixty. There's even games selling for like eighty now. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's reasonable. I think video games should be more expensive. The problem is, like, the buyer doesn't want that. Yeah, for, like, how much content and entertainment it provides, I do feel like some games should also be more expensive. What are you talking about? That yeah, I, I think AAA games should be $90. What do you think a season passes? That That's them making it $90, but yeah. not... Although sometimes it feels like you do get gypped because if you don't have the season pass, then there isn't enough content to warrant the sixty dollar yeah. price tag. And then, then I'm just not, then I'm just not gonna play the game. I'll play something else. Right? Yeah, that's how it works. If you realize, like, huh, I don't know if I'd enjoy that game all that much. <laughs> well, gonna go pick <laughs> yeah, something honestly, else. Honestly, like my dream, right, is that some like AAA studio, like let's let's pretend like I'm Rockstar, right? It's like instead of like. How we've been working on, you know, uh, GTA 6 for, like, ten years. Literally billions of dollars of budget. My dream is that someday, like, a game company of that scale would just be like, we're gonna split our team into, like, a shit ton of projects and just make, like, with that amount of budget, just, like, 30 low-stakes games that can be, like, more experimental and see if any of them, like, go off. Even, like, half of the company. Like, half the company could be their ridiculous AAA monolith. But I I just want them to, like, use that budget to make a whole bunch of more experimental things. I just want, like, a game company to be like, what if we made a bunch of littler things, you know? Like, AA or smaller games that are just, like... more. It's like they don't even need to be, like, a cheaper game. It's just, like... I want a company to put their eggs in more baskets so they don't have to make the safest bet possible 100% of the time. Well, that, that's, that's the current yeah, landscape. That's the problem. The Whatever CEOs, publishers, they don't want to take those risks. Oh, yeah. And they it, it, want it's to. strictly a better business decision to be like, GTA 6! It's like GTA 5, except there's a 6 on the We're investing our entire company into this one game, but it's okay, because it is literally guaranteed not to fail. Because just of the sheer amount of branding behind it, the sheer amount of budget behind it, that just the pre-orders will already make us profit. So the quality doesn't actually matter. But people will like it because they just want to play GTA 3 for the fifth time. Or the sixth. Oh yeah, GTA three for the because GTA three was the the advent of three D, right? Yeah, yeah. That was when they decided it wasn't like weird top down arcade game. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That'll never happen though. It will. Yeah. You can always be hopeful, but that's why we have you know double A and indie developers. Yeah, that's though. that's pretty much what. Well, I like them better, but, but right see, the now. problem is, like, they're, they can't do that same thing. Like, for an indie developer, it's like they're still investing 100% of their company into this one basket, but, like, mm. they're riskier, and uh, and that risk is just, like, if it fails, they're not a company anymore, mm-hmm. you know? 
Mm-hmm. It's like all, every one of these layers is putting 100% of their eggs in one or two baskets. Yeah. I guess, you know, AAA companies are the ones who could probably... They're the, they're the only ones who could, like, really actually baskets. do that. Yeah. But they won't. No, they won't. I guess they won't, yeah. Every they once in a while they release, like, a new IP, but it's just, like... It's the same. The vast majority of the time, it's just a different one of their games with different characters. The There's quotes around characters, like um, like Ubisoft released, you know, Watch Dogs. Oh, that's what the, I was about like, to talk about that. And yeah. it's like this is Assassin's Creed, and all the critics what, were like, "This game is bad for a whole bunch of reasons, and it's uninspired and uninteresting." But we like the new theme, and it's a great way to start a new IP. Like, with the exception that the first version of an IP needs to be dog shit. <laughs> yeah, they're just, you're so just trying weird. to find their legs, you know? That's how, that's how game development works. But yeah, that's what I was about to mention Watch Dogs. I remember when they tried to make that guy, I don't know what the heck was his name. It's some, like, trying-to-be-cool white guy name. Like Aiden Pierce, I think was the name of the main character, and they tried to make him the face of the company or make him like, oh, he's such an iconic character. Don't yeah, you love it's him? the new Mario, dude. And it's like he's just a guy. There's nothing striking he's about this dude. guy. Why are you trying to push this guy yeah. so hard? And I mean, I'll even branch out and say, like, you know, Cyberpunk isn't really radically different than Witcher. It's just a different theme. Yeah, it's like. I don't know, I understand that that's what a company is, like, built around and it's their branding. Like, if we make multiple games, they'll probably all be fighting games. It, it, it's just a sad inevitability. It's like, for indie games, I understand why you specialize in it, because you're finding your niche. But, like, when you're a AAA company, there isn't a niche. You're, you're the overlords, dude. You know? <laughs> Just establishing here, I would totally be open to making things other than fighting games, but also I like fighting games a lot. So it's possible that a majority of what we will produce, if we, you know, get that far, is fighting games. But I would totally want to do, like, a character action game, too. I think that'd be fun. But of Yeah, course, it's I'm like, I'm, I'm mostly addressing AAA companies, I suppose. Yeah. With indie games, it's... Indie devs, it's uh, different and weirder. But with a triple A, it's like you have so much fucking budget. It's like when they want to take a risk, they don't actually take a risk. They just like buy an indie company and say, make your indie game, but it's ours. And then they immediately disassociate if it flops. And if it does yeah. well, they're like, okay, now you're only making Ori in the Blind Forest for the rest of your life, you know? That makes yeah, what Microsoft you know, did. That's they're good. Okay, uh, what is, that's what um, a lot of things happening at Activision and Blizzard was doing, right? Like that one guy. What was his name? Bobby Kotick. That that one guy uh, who was paraded as the devil on the internet, and then he couldn't get a date. But he's also like the some high up ranking guy in Activision Blizzard. Essentially, his business plan was to just milk all the franchises for what they're worth and then leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just. <laughs> Yeah, just run nice IP. Let me cash grounds. that out. All right, bye. Yeah. All right, you are no. Lo you now are now worth less than the dirt you stand on. Okay, mm. goodbye. And that's what happened. That's why Overwatch Two is literally just a graphical upgrade of Overwatch yeah. One. It's like not even necessarily <laughs> that all these sequels are always shitty. It's just like <laughs> it's like a proxy war, dude. These AAA companies only invest in like tiny companies. And that's how they, like, take any business risks. Yeah.
But then, you know, if you don't, if it, nothing happens with you, they just kind of absorb the staff into the other departments, right? Yeah. But yeah, what was this? Yeah. This episode was supposed to be about emotions. Hey, I, I feel was like yeah. we'll talk yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, we're, we're talking pretty strong I mean, this is, about I, the game <laughs> industry are, right now. We are quite passionate about this stuff. Exactly. We talked about, you know, like, oh man. I mean, I guess part of it is, you know, people trying to play to your emotions, your sense of nostalgia with the like, oh, look, remember Dragon Ball? Eventually, you know, well, remember <laughs> One Piece? Wasn't One Piece so cool? Yeah. Or, oh, remember Boruto? He's like Naruto, <laughs> except better, right? Yeah, in the year yeah, 20... Yeah, because he has a B in his name. B for better. <laughs> the year 20XX when we're on uh, Glarito. 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 I can't wait to meet him. Or, um... I, my favorite Jaruto. thing is... My favorite thing is um, shortening their names to Nart and Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, but Nart is probably my favorite because it's it just sounds a like fun you invented a word. Disney movie. <laughs> Nart, but yeah, it's and then that, and then Pokemon doing that, and then these kind of having a lack of emotion, and they're just like, "Hey, a new IP is basically just putting a different coat of paint on the same game," <laughs> which is stupid. It's. And that's what that's a lot of the things that are you know with AAA titles or games develop game developers I guess is that you know they just kind of see they it, it's up to the it's up to the people lower on the ladder the indies and the AA's to find the stuff that works and then the AAA's are like oh this stuff works let's <laughs> do it too yeah and then they do it and then it becomes immensely more popular because they have the finances to back their game or something like that yeah, but by that the time it with- comes out. It's, yeah, that pretty much happened with open world stuff. Breath of the Wild kind of blew up. Now everyone's doing Breath of the Wild. Yeah, well, yeah, Breath of the Wild style. I mean, even though like open world, technically open world, I would uh, consider that anything before Zelda Breath of the Wild was like a, a pretending to be an open world. I but guess then Zelda came yeah. in and it was like this is an actual open world. And then everyone's like, oh, people like this game because yeah. of the I, I guess it's because there's lots of open world. The weird thing about open world genres, that's like a technical thing. And just with like technical limitations, it was almost only AAAs who did open world. But like, I'd say Breath of the Wild's real innovation is like, wait a minute, people play open world games because they want exploring to be fun. Holy shit, let's make games about exploring. And then that was the revelation. No, the entire point of an open world is so that it takes ten actual in-game. It's so I can put fifteen hundred checkboxes on my yeah. map. You want waypoints? <laughs> That's what an open world is for—is to go to a completely predestined destination. That's how. That's why, like, I dislike. Uh, what is it called? Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, I heard a lot of stuff about it where the narrative, st- like, the game essentially railroads you. So that you don't actually have a world to explore, they're just like, "Hey, you better do this in the right <laughs> order. You better see every cutscene." And you're oh, like, Come "Oh, oh, yeah." Man. I mean, I'm oh, sorry, but Red Dead Redemption world. is the same game as GTA. It's just cowboy themed. Yeah, it's just cowboys. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. I mean, games do lead you to the right direction, but you said in Red Dead Redemption Two, like forces you to go to the direction, even though it's such a big world. Um, so the biggest example of this, I believe, I heard somewhere, where a text, where a cutscene plays, where some cinematic thing happens. I don't even know what the what the narrative thing was in that cutscene, but 
after you exit that cutscene, you're given control of your character again. You walk two feet forward and another cutscene plays. <laughs> yeah, it's like... The weird thing about, like, Rockstar games in particular is there's a hyper-linear story with story beats and missions that, like, has an interesting rhythm to it, and it's pretty good. But, like, where you start each level is an open-world game. Think, yeah. <laughs> think of it like you're playing, like, Super Mario Bros. 3, you know, World 1-1, one, one, World 1-2, one, except there's just, like, an open-world game as level select. And that's just, like, how Rockstar makes their games. It's so weird. Yeah, the other thing that I think about, especially with the way that, like, missions in Rockstar games work, is that if you don't, like, uh, you know, if you if you stray off the path and you don't, you don't complete the mission the way that they want oh, you to Oh, they're super, it, super linear. Yeah, they want you to do it a very specific way, and if you do it any other way, they just fail you. It's like all freedoms you could only express in the open world section. Yeah. And even then, I would argue that a lot of Rockstar open worlds are pretty bare bones. There's nothing to do except attract the cops, fly vehicles, fill out and the checkboxes on my mini map. Like, get even, excited, even game... Red Dead Redemption players! I have found a new place where I can shoot birds to get feathers to sell for five dollars <laughs> each, and if I sell a hundred feathers, I get a new hat. That's cool. But even, what was I going to say? Shoot. Um, even like a game like Yakuza, it's not as an, it's not as big an open world as, say, uh, what's it called? Any Rockstar game, I guess. It's not as open. There's usually like a couple cities. I think now there's like three cities that you mm. can travel through now as of Yakuza 7. But even then, there's a lot more stuff to just do because there's so many mini games and there's yeah. all this like fun stuff just around. And in and in the case of something like, and albeit in Yakuza, some things aren't like super polished, but the stuff that you can do is fun, and it's like ridiculous and stupid, and you know it's just good fun. Yeah. You know, there's like side quests, and there's always like ridiculous things that happen because, of course, your your Yakuza protagonist has to get through some weird like hijinks, Ooh, some wacky so, hijinks. So yeah, I often think wacky. of the Yakuza games as like what Shenmue should have been. Yeah. Well, I think Yakuza is straight up a, a an improvement upon the Shenmue, the Shenmue formula, yeah. right? Even, you can even play old games in Yakuza and in Shenmue. It's it's a that's a big thing, and you know, it it really adds to the world. It feels lived in. It feels like things can happen because they just add so much stuff to this stuff. And it, it's, it makes it feel like, oh, even though it's technically a smaller area, there's so much stuff to do that you feel like you have more choices as to how you want to spend your time in Yakuza <laughs> than you do in, like, a GTA or something mm. like that. But yeah, emotions, freedom, fun. I want to have fun in my games. I don't want to have... Controversial. To the... <laughs> fun, not a lot I mean, at what point? At what point does it take for GTA just to become like a driving simulator? See, that's what it means. Isn't that what it is? We moved past it. That's just a small part of the game. A small part, but also it's still not. It's you know, it's there's not a whole lot else to do besides drive around and shoot stuff and be a criminal. It's kind. Of, that's all I can really think that you can do in a GTA game, and you can like come up with as many mini yeah, with it's those like, the like weird components. 
the, the weirdness is, like, the Rockstar plots are often, like, quite good. But it's just, like, there's garbage <laughs> around it. Yeah, I mean, and usually the mini-games, quote-unquote, that they put in there all revolve around one of those three aspects, or they combine them in some way. Hmm. Like you Often drive around racing kill segments, yeah. Yeah, but that's it. If there's no, like, oh my god, I'm gonna go play a video game for five hours, or you can do, like, the boring thing mm. that literally adds anything. Like, they added in, like, a strip club thing. I don't even... I, I hesitate to call it a mini-game. Play poker hands. Yeah. Is there poker in I those games? I think there's poker hands. I had no idea, because, like, you know, this stuff doesn't seem all that interactive or engaging. Yeah, I don't know. As far as minigames go, Yakuza's always been better at that. There's a lot of stuff, yeah. And that's what makes it fun, is that there's a lot of stuff to actually do besides get into mm. fights. Yeah, I think is, my you know, favorite a big part of games have usually been the Elder Scrolls ones. I like those. But they're they're mindless. It's just like you're playing a first-person... RPG thing. Just Actually, it's like a um, one-player MMO. The idea of like you getting railroaded to just go to the next objective does remind me of something that I have been doing more recently. So I think because the Mega Man Battle Network collection was recently announced, I've been going back and playing Battle Network Five because that's the one that I have played mm. before and it's fun. And I realize there's something really weird about that game. Where the game doesn't really tell you where to go. They just say, ah, here's your problem. Here's like a problem that we need to fix. And we need to find the NPC who Talk can help NPCs us with this. Talk to NPCs until it's better. Yeah. It's like, who do you think could help us with this like task that seems so like weird and peculiar? And so you have to <laughs> It's open find... world for the sake of can't find where to go. It's so weird that they just do this thing where they're like, it's up to you to figure out what the hell to do mm -hmm. next. Where you're like, I need to get a ticket for this cruise ship. Who could help us out with that? And you're like, I don't know. There's there like, there's like of... hundreds of people here. How am I supposed to find the one person who could help me with this? Reminds me of the older Pokemon <laughs> games, where it'd be like, um, you can't go this way. Yeah. All right. Is, did you go into this building? No, no, right no. It's worse soul? than that. Yeah, it's like though. that, it's... but worse. It's worse because they don't tell you what to do. At least in Pokemon, they're like, ah, oh, you gotta get... It's like, I don't see a gym badge on your on your lapel. You better go get a gym badge. And you're like, oh, I guess I gotta go get a gym badge. <laughs> I don't know. When, like, the first one, wasn't it, like, the card is thirsty, so you have to go to a random building in a town with 30 buildings and find tea and then give it to the guard? <laughs> um, There's some so shit. <laughs> okay, there's nothing more egregious than this one, and it's like, the one that I, that stumped me as a kid, because I could not figure out, and I spent actual months just trying to figure out what it was, because this the whole thing is that the next part of the plot is locked behind having to figure out a number combination to open a locked door. Oh. And so, oh, the boy. only clue that you are given in the entire game, they, there's no, like, memo on the floor that tells you the code... There's a like something happens. There's an emergency on this. So once you get on this cruise ship, because you gotta talk to a certain person in order to find to get a ticket to get onto it, so you can complete the rest of your mission. Because you need to get on this cruise ship, uh, someone causes a problem on the cruise ship, and the door to the engine room is locked. And so you need to get the code in order. You need to figure out the code to open the lock. And the only person who gives you any shred of evidence as to how to figure out what the combination is is this guy who knows 
the code, but he's like kind of hard. It's like he's not really like fully remembering it. He just remembers the mnemonic that he put that he came up with to remember the code, and so you have to decipher this mnemonic. Very cool. Thanks, and that's guy. the only thing they give you. This is the reason why I'm actually fine with Pokemon trying to baby their players through the plus. You gotta, to get this, gotta get this. Gotta get this. But no, it's this is like it's a weird thing. No, because I've, I've been in that situation before where I'm playing a game when I was young and I just don't know how to progress through the yeah. game. Like I, and I'm just stuck there for hours or maybe days or a week even. I have, I have two. <laughs> one of them is just meeting them. The other one I just couldn't figure out. The first one was when I first got The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, the, the Tomb Link one. Yeah. I didn't know you could save in that game. <laughs> so <laughs> every time I stop, every time, alright, let's say I, I play Wind Waker a bit, I stop. I didn't know you could save. I just turned the GameCube up. <laughs> then I wanted to play it again. I don't have save data. It's just I have to make a new game. So I start from the very beginning. <laughs> and then I play through up to the same point again. Then I stop and I didn't save. And guess what? I still don't have save data. <laughs> You uh, just didn't see the continue game option? No. It, no you had to like go into a menu to save, and I didn't know that. I don't think I knew what saving... I didn't know what saving was at that point. I, yeah, I, I want to save someone. Can I... Like, does this statue let me save someone? Yeah. You saved the statue, and you're like, oh, uh, yeah, cool, I guess that's what it I'm is. Yeah, the, the other point where I was stuck for a very long time was in... Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. It was not an issue with saving. Because they specifically spell it out for you. You have to hit this block with this giant S on it that's also glowing to save. And once you hit it, you'll be good. But yeah. there was a point where, uh, where you lose your entire party because someone stole your body and you become like this shadow person. And to get yeah. your body back, you have to find the person who stole your, your body. And you have to guess his name. Yeah. The thing is, they don't tell you his name. You have to figure. You have to find like a bird hidden underneath the castle that knows his name to to say it for you. And you you're you're given this new party member. And I didn't know this, but with this new party member, it was like in one line of text that if you missed it, you would never under you would never know what to do. But if you if you use her ability near a bird, like her ability is like to hide and go into the floor. If you use it near birds, the birds will gossip about a bunch of stuff, and that's how you figure out his name. Because I, I got to the point where you you meet the bird at the bottom of the castle, but I didn't know what to do. I thought it was just some like random NPC. So I <laughs> I spent like days trying to just randomly guess his name. Cursed. <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I played I that was I played Thousand Year Door that one as a kid too. I um Yeah. I yeah, just I never got that. past the second world, you know, where you got the little mouse people and you needed to do all these, like, weird weight puzzles and, like, free them from the prison. I never got past that as a kid. Oh, I didn't that make one. it that far. Oh, my God. That was an- I-, I can think of another point where I got super stuck. It was also in the Paper Mario game. Uh, on the Wii, the Super Paper Mario game. It was in... It was in the second Was it world. in the desert it, place where you have to, like, hit the block in certain patterns? No, I somehow figured that out. 
I don't know how I found that one, but I managed to do it. I think the puzzles in this game are pretty hard. But in it was in the second world, the second level in the mansion. No, the third level. Third level in the mansion. Where you go in debt for like a million rubies. And Mario becomes a corporate slave and needs to work off his debt. Apparently, I didn't know this when I was playing it, but apparently there's just a safe you can open that just has a million rubies in it. And that's how you clear a level. But I didn't know that. I, <laughs> I ended just up thought you had out. to become a slave. Yeah, I just literally, when I was, I would just hold down the button just to run on a hamster wheel to generate power to make some rubies until I could eventually reach 1 million. And eventually, like, you can do it. You can manually do it. But what happens is the, the end of the block, the, the, the little block that ends the level is behind some iron bars. And you can't reach it without a certain party member, which you're supposed to find in this level. I never found that party member until after I <laughs> cleared my deck. You did it the hard working way. I did it the hard way. To. Yeah, because you're supposed to use this party member to also steal from steal the million rubies from the vault. And I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, I can't believe it. I you worked off my debt. <laughs> The fact that that's in there and that's a possible way to actually win the like beat the game, that's fun though. The fact that there are multiple different ways to But it doesn't let goal. you beat it. You still have to go to Yeah, the you place still have to guy. find a party member. You can't beat the level without getting him. They specifically lock the end of the stage behind the gate that you can't get past it out of. I see. Uh, <laughs> uh kid me was dumb. This is why you need to baby me in the games. I like a little... I mean, it depends, though. Like, a little guidance is fine. I wish there was, like, maybe, like, a... Like a Navi, but better. Like, you could ask her for help, like, if you... For, maybe, like, if you're, if you're coming back to a game after taking a long break and you kind of forget what to do. Like, either maybe, like, a party member that can help you remind stuff, or maybe, like, a journal of some sort. Something like that. I think is good. I think occasional hints if you're like stuck on a puzzle or something for a very long time is also fine. As long as it's not too handholdy, but it knows when you need help. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I would like just a feature in a lot of those games where it's just like detects that you haven't progressed anything for like twenty minutes and it's like this guy needs a hand. Yeah. That's what like Navi Navi was supposed to be in, in Ocarina of Time, right? Was I don't I to... don't think so. It was more so. I don't know. I thought she just gave you hints on enemies, not how to like where, not on like where you need to go and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I guess I, I don't. Know. I, yeah, I don't know. I never played that game. I don't I we're don't too old. We're too young to have been to have grown up with Ocarina of Time. I guess. Yeah, it was made before us. <laughs> I've Our only generation. played the first Legend of Zelda and Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, both of which I have told are just really not what Legend of Zelda games are now. <laughs> I yeah, but I I enjoy. I loved the Spirit two on Tracks. the DS. So. Yeah, I love Spirit Tracks fun. and Phantom Hourglass. Yeah, both of those are so fun. Too. I think those I are my you. first Zelda games, actually. Mine was Wind Waker, the one I got stuck on in the tutorial for like a week until I figured out you could save. For uh for most of my uh 
most of my life, the only Legend of Zelda game I played was the original Legend of Zelda, and it was like, I want to say it was like WiiWare or something in some way. Maybe my was it like virtual was it console? like yeah, it was like Virtual Console or something. Oh. Uh, or wait a minute, was it like one of those mini games that they put like in Super Smash Brothers Brawl? Randomly? Yeah, like a, like the the demos of old it may games. have just been like that. I don't know. Yeah. I remember playing those when I got Brawl. I was like, huh, I want to know where these characters are from. And they're like, oh, you need a GameCube controller if you want to play F-Zero. And you're like, well, I don't have that. Damn. <laughs> I'd say we are just good on time. So, you can watch and listen to us every... <laughs> you can watch you can watch slash listen to us live every Saturday at Twitch slash TV slash Shadow Point Games starting at 3-ish p.m. PST. Sometime, maybe we'll stream live one day, but if you can't make it, no worries. New episodes go up on Mondays at 12 p.m. PST on your favorite podcasting platforms, as well as on YouTube at youtube.com slash breaktimepodcast. Follow us on Twitter at ShadowPointGS if you want. Join us next week when we talk about whatever Ryan wants to talk about, because he'll be hosting next week. Until then, break time over.